All right, guys. So we're all on. This is great. Uh, this is kind of a special and uh, first try of a three-way conversation on the Marketing Automation Podcast. So hopefully it sounds good and uh, we can continue doing this stuff. Um, for those of you who are checking this out for the first time, uh, this is a, uh, a podcast available on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, and other channels where we discuss marketing automation, data quality, data compliance. It's myself, Alex Glenn from Right to Revenue, and my co-host, the CEO of HubCell.com, Karen Sharma. Uh, but today is a special episode because I have invited Nolan Clemens, who's actually the chief growth architect of Clemens.io. It's C-L-E-M-M-O-N-S.io. It's a digital marketing agency specializing in inbound and outbound lead generation. Uh, he has been featured in publications like Forbes, Business to Community, and others. I personally know Nolan from a Facebook group where we are uh, uh, both um, kind of posting. And uh, I specifically reached out to Nolan after a post that he put in the group recently, and I'll show it on screen here, that was particularly valuable. So I wanted to reach out and have this recording. So thank you for joining us, Nolan. How did I do on the intro? All good? Awesome, yeah. I mean, I started five or six years ago. I ran my first cold email campaign, um, and it's probably the first successful marketing campaign I ever did using a, using an old tool called Sales Beach uh, that I was beta testing. And then from there, I've gradually expanded, um, now doing that as a service for clients and Recently, I've expanded to cover some of the, some of the inbound channels as well, uh, and I created a framework uh, which is I made a video of in, in that group called the Sales Stack uh, to re really subdivide the whole process uh, from analytics to CRM into layers and um, processes uh, that can be followed. And we'll go over some of those today. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm showing your infographic here. It's super valuable, so uh, we'll make sure to post a link there so everyone can check it out. Um, today, we wanted to discuss something all three of us have uh, a different level of experience in. Um, we approach it um, all seemingly in the same way, and uh, the topic is lead nurturing. Uh, the specific question that we're going to post this answer to is, is, is on Quora. Uh, under what are some good lead nurturing strategies and proven tools. Uh, so we collaborated on this document. We all uh, had a, a say in what's written. So it's a, it's a mutual effort here. And we all recommend uh, different ways to approach it as well as uh, some specific tools. So um, the first thing we want to do is, is, is um, set up this into steps. Like we always do, we, we provide actionable value in all of these podcasts and all of these Quora answers that we record, uh, Kern and I. So uh, we'd like to do steps, if at all possible, to make sure that whoever's listening or reading can follow along and actually execute these things on their own. Um, so uh, the first thing we want to do is uh, if you are setting up a lead nurturing system, a lead nurturing process and uh, using the tools involved, the first thing you, you want to do is define your audience. Um, so we talk about a couple different um, personas, if you will, um, or use cases in this. Um, I'll mention one that I'm involved in as we speak. Um, but this persona is, uh, let's just say you're the head of marketing or the head of sales uh, or the owner, founder, CEO of a SaaS company, and you need to break into a new market, right? So you can choose a software, which you know your users would be, um, sorry, you know your users use and uh, they would be an ideal target audience for you. So this is again, just a um, example use case. So there are tools like similar tech, Datanize, Sales Navigator that have tech filters and uh, they, uh, they actually comb through sites and uh, look for tags on the site and actual snippets on the site that represent uh, different tools, and you can actually find those sites and enrich that data, who the site owner is, grab their email address, grab their LinkedIn profile, etc. Uh, we'll go into detail on how that works, uh, but that's uh, that's audience one. So Nolan, why don't you talk about 
an audience that you have some experience with recently? Yeah. So in this case, the client is a SEO agency looking for more clients. And there's a couple of different ways they can leverage data automation to do that. And in the prospecting process is one uh, recently Google is start, starting to show a warning for uh, sites and search results that don't have an SSL certificate. And for those of you that don't know, that's uh, just that's HT, HTTPS instead of HTTP. And on most major websites, they have it anytime you, you, you need anytime you're using a credit card or, or collecting some personal information from visitors. But uh, that's an, there's a couple of easy, that's an example. And then another one is I want to find people in a certain geographic region because local search is a big component to local businesses. Uh, they either have a certain amount of web visitors per month, or if there's a particular keyword that they're not ranking on the first page. And there's, there's an old saying in SEO, the best place to hide a dead body is on page two and beyond the Google, because the proportionate first page results and even higher on the first page is astronomically different than the rest. So, and what we're doing is for any service business, if you know someone has a specific problem that you can fix, you can use this technique. And there's sites like Hrefs, uh, SEMrush, that any tool that you can use to analyze a domain's keyword rankings for, for certain things, or if they're running pay per click, et cetera. So, um, that's, that's one way. And you basically, you only need the URL. Uh, and then these other tools, uh, can tell you, can fill in the rest with contact information and so on. Very good. Very good. So, um, current and, and you had something to say about LinkedIn sales navigator and, uh, some other sources that you can go ahead and, and yeah, and, to add to Nolan's use case here, I think he mentioned the SSL certificate and whether or not a website has it. Um, I think the entire search that he's doing uh, obviously uh, can also be done just by, uh, uh, you know, creating a list of uh, uh, companies that you can find on Sales Navigator, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, Angel.co, Crunchbase, or just doing Google searches. I mean, there are many, many ways to get to the list of, of the uh, companies uh, that you want to target and then to sub-segment those further to, to find out which one of them actually have an SSL certificate and which one don't which which ones don't, uh, you can just use a, a checkup API. There are many, many SSL checkup APIs out there. You can just push all those websites through it, and it'll tell you which ones have an SSL certificate and wh when it was last updated. And that could just become a categorical data for you to actually use uh, in your content. And, I'm think and I think we are addressing that further in, in, the, uh, in this podcast. So let's park that one for now. Got it. Got it. Um, and uh, we do have another episode on this. Um, uh, I'll link it here in the uh, core answer. Uh, but we talk about lead generation. Um, we talk about Sales Navigator specifically and the differences between Sales Navigator and LinkedIn. So definitely check that episode out if you have time. So, so that's great. So um, now that you've uh, gone through step one and you've kind of defined your audience and where you're going to gather that audience, what you're going to use uh, to actually um, pick out that audience from... Uh, the World Wide Web, uh, then the next step is to uh, enrich and uh, begin actually gathering that audience. So whether you're compiling into a database or, or what have you, um, you want to go ahead and uh, enrich. And what do we mean by enrich? We mean adding fields, essentially. So, you know, a certain tool may give you the website name, the company name, um, maybe the LinkedIn profile, but you need to go ahead and grab the email address, maybe a phone number, something like that. Um, so there's different ways to approach the enrichment process. And uh, my co-host, Curran, is, uh, is the expert on that through hubsell.com. They provide this effort for clients. So why don't you go ahead and touch on some of the best practices for data enrichment? Yeah, absolutely. I think this field uh, fits really well into our wheelhouse. We've discussed this topic before in other podcasts. Uh, the goal here is really to focus on on very qualitative data. And uh, um, I think I'll just make a side note of uh, going for bulk providers or actually enriching it yourself or basically uh, curating the data yourself. And I think we've made the point abundantly clear that bulk data is outperformed by, um, you know, curating data. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, there are many, many reasons for that. And we can probably refer to uh, another podcast. Um, 
but once you decide to go for uh, curated data, uh, you have the choice between either having a tra trained team in your company, so an in-house team, or you can have an outsourced team uh, of, let's say, virtual assistants uh, somewhere somewhere in the east, uh, or you could have uh, a data curation, curation provider and uh, that can compile a, a, a set of prospects including any level of information that you need could be contact info uh, but could also be categorical data uh, that allows you to segment your overall data set into to smaller subsegments uh, based on let's say department seniority tenure uh, gender uh, time in the position age industry company size so forth and so on and then also provides you contact information not just the conventional one such as email address or phone number but also provides you linkedin social media other social media URLs. So should you want to target them across different channels, uh, you could uh, uh, by using you know a broad set of information. Um, once you have that, your data repository or database or the spreadsheet, whatever you have, must be cleaned. It should be validated. It should be enriched, and it should be sortable into smaller segments so that the content that you will send, and I think it's one of the later steps, uh, can be customized. So let's say you're sending a message to four different people in the same company. Uh, one of them is uh, a department head of sales, the other is marketing, the third is HR, and the fourth is, let's say, general management. Uh, you should be able to use the departmental uh, um, uh, categorical variable uh, that allows you to, to send them different messages that speak to themselves, speak to them as a person, and not necessarily as an account, right? Um, there is simply no one message that, that, that will resonate with all of your market, uh, even, even you know, in the same company. There are different um, needs based on you know, uh, account level criteria, such as geographical location, industry, company size, and even more um, uh, prospect level uh, variables, such as uh, uh, role and, and, and uh, seniority, and that divide them on different uh, uh, roles in the sales cycle. You could have an economic buyer, uh, a facilitator, an end user, a champion, an influence, and all of them will have to be targeted with different wording, different content, different approaches, so to speak. Very good. Very good. Um, and uh, Nolan, you mentioned something really important here about um, adding the human element to the data. So why don't you go ahead and touch on that real quick? Yeah, so depending on the source of the data, uh, there's a certain level of quality they'll have. And at some point, you'll need to, even though through automation and a lot, a lot of these providers, they can do a lot. But at some point, you need to involve a human element uh, to that to check things. And particularly the name and company fields, uh, especially if it's coming from LinkedIn, as people often include embellishments to their name like MBA, PMP, Esquire, etc., that you wouldn't want to use in a conversation or message to them. Uh, the other thing is the company name. So you want to have a casual company name instead of saying such and such uh, enterprises limited. Uh, you don't want to say that in email. And even in my case, my LinkedIn and Facebook page, it's nolanclemens-clemens.io. But if you use that in an email, it doesn't make sense. And it says, hey, you didn't, you didn't really, it shows you didn't do any research. And especially, especially for cold email, you want to make sure it's your first touch. Uh, did, you, did you get things right and start things off? Because it's a, a bad impression is very hard to dig yourself out of. Uh, so, so make sure you get that done. And then another tool, um, it, it, I, I think Karen kind of mentioned it, is uh, to make sure that emails are validated. Most tools will do this. Um, but if you, have, if you have it from a, a different source that you, uh, collected yourself. Maybe you want to run them through one tools, kickbox.io, and they make sure that the email works and they ping the email server. And depending on what type of email server it is, it'll come back as verified, maybe, or definitely not. So you want to do that to make sure um, you, that uh, you want, you want to make sure that all the emails are right. So you don't have any bounces because mm -hmm. uh, that can, that can affect deliverability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, oh, oh go, go ahead, Karen. Sorry. Uh, you, yeah. had, you had something you wanted to add. Uh, just quickly to add to the point that Nolan just made. I mean, uh, talking about the email servers, sure. Um, you have catch-all servers and you have servers which don't have that setting that allow you to do automated uh, uh, validation, basically through a soft ping, which is called an SFTP uh, ping. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, that's one point. And the other point, of course, is um, um, the, the, the copy itself uh, 
you know, when, when you send it, send a person an email and you say, um, you know, this and this company incorporated and part of this group or let's say holding and so forth, it kind of breaks this spell that you want to put them under that this email was manually written, that this was not sent from an automated campaign. It was actually written by hand and sent by a human being. So mm -hmm. I, I completely resonate the point you just made, Nolan, about making sure that the data is properly cleaned and that all of the all of the information that is put in there appears to be handwritten. Yeah, exactly. And um, I will, uh, because you were so polite and did not plug HubCell, I will plug a feature that, uh, one of the features that brought me to HubCell, but um, they have the ability, uh, current software, uh, has the ability to actually remove any of the LTD, LLC, um, tags at the end of the company name when you're creating the dynamic text placeholder for company name. So you can use a shortened version of the company name where the software actually does remove um, any of those uh, extensions there. So that's just a, a quick word about that. So check out hubcell.com if you have any uh, needs around um, customizing the email text in a dynamic and automated fashion. But um, let's go into um, section three. Um, section three, we want to, I'm sorry, not section three, step three, step three. Uh, to this uh, cold uh, outreach system, this lead nurturing system that we're discussing. We want to load audiences to ad accounts as, uh, as new audiences, and then we want to launch ads. And this is a very important step that um, too many people and companies today are not doing. And we're talking about, again, lead nurturing not just outreach, but we want to nurture these people into customers. And what do we have to do in order to nurture them into customers is give them low fidelity, low intrusion touch mm -hmm. points that show thought leadership, that show credibility, so that when they actually do receive that message from a salesperson or the CEO, uh, they have some sort of a background that says, yes, I remember you. I saw that case study you did or I saw that testimonial, or I saw that video that you posted, and uh, I'd like to learn more. I meant to do it, but I didn't have time, so I'm glad you reached out. So it makes that first messaging system a lot more beneficial, valuable, uh, a lot more successful. So Nolan, you have um, some awesome experience with this. I'll hand it off to you, but actually first, um, for those of you who don't know, we're going to talk about CRM retargeting. CRM retargeting is the sort of a name for what, uh, what this section is about. And it's essentially where you upload a list of usually emails and names to an ad network like AdRoll, Facebook, LinkedIn, Quora ads, what have you, uh, from your CRM typically, or from uh, a list that you've enriched and scraped. Uh, and then what the platform does, the social platform is match those email addresses and names to uh, profiles within their platform so that you can serve just the audience that you've enriched and scrapes with ads and not anyone but those people. So it's a hyper-targeting uh, method of, of, of advertising display and social, etc. So um, Nolan, why don't you go ahead and uh, talk about what you wanted to talk about with regards to CRM retargeting. Yes, and, and to reiterate uh, what you said, Alex, uh, a lot of I think even the way Neil Patel explains retargeting is like if you, you know, if you take someone out on a date and ask them to marry you, they're not going to say yes. So a lot of sales, they don't happen on the first touch or, or even like soccer. There's a lot of passes before some that happen before someone scores a goal or even, even basketball where the analogy is. And um, once you have your prospects, once you have your data, which is basically a spreadsheet or a CSV file, comma separated values like Microsoft Excel, and like Alex said, you, you can upload that as a custom audience uh, and in some cases even create a lookalike audience based on that data uh, for you to target. So there's there's two routes to to go to go down uh, once you have that is one, you can essentially warm up your this cold audience by running targeting ads at them. And generally you want to do I do something like a um, I, I do I do something like a video ad. Um, for, for the awareness funnel. And as, as far as the type of data that they have that they can, um, that needs to be in the CSV, it can be name, email, phone number, location, city in some cases, uh, anything to help narrow it down. And depending on where you get it from, uh, it might be their work email, but if they signed up with their 
personal email on their Facebook account. So there might be some ways to get their personal email if you add them as a connection on LinkedIn. And this is done a lot of the social. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like air support, or it's done in parallel uh, to the to the actual prospecting process to aid that and basically get familiarity. Um, following someone on Twitter. Uh, that's, it's, it's a good way to get, to get that. It's a good first touch to make. Um, but once you have that, you run, you run an awareness campaign on Facebook, at least you can retarget video viewers. Uh, and so you can do a continue, you can basically run perpetual retargeting because it's also web visitors. Uh, and I, I believe in the later section or, or step of this, we'll cover, cover the analytics layer and, and what, what, um, what you need to have in place there. Uh, so you can leverage that data is you and and you're educating with these touches but it's it's kind of like gary vaynerchuk he has this philosophy of jab jab right hook and so each um like the first awareness uh video that's a jab and then you run another you can either retarget video viewers or website viewers or people to engage with this uh with another piece of educational content that shows this is what our product does there's some benefits here's a case study and then uh, you send them with a right hook, and that says, "Hey, there can be a lead form um, or or a direct set, a direct pitch. Hey, how about how about we schedule an appointment? How about we schedule a demo and see see if it's a good fit?" Uh, so doing that, and it's, it comes from boxing because not every not every punch in boxing is a knockout. So that there's basic jabs uh, that you have to take take with people, uh, and also you don't want you don't necessarily want to do the hard sell uh, on the first touch basically and another key thing as you're doing this um and i know more about it because i see it myself and it's, it's a mistake that, that they can do is you want to exclude your current uh your current customers or in some cases leads if you've already had an, if, if you're nurturing them you might want to exclude them uh from the retargeting audience so you take that current customers or current or new leads Upload them as separate custom audiences, and then exclude them because you don't a you don't want to waste money targeting them. B you don't want to erode goodwill because let's say you, and this even goes applies to email sequences. You if you just have a round of golf, play a round of golf with someone, you don't want to have one of your sales reps message them as if they've never known them. It's like hey, I I just had golf last Sunday. What what are you sending this message for? So you want to want to help avoid those mistakes. And if there's a, I hope there's a way that that can be updated in real time, uh, without having to manually upload each audience because that that'd be hard to update um, over time. Yeah, yeah, that that was really good. I mean, this is this is kind of the section where I think uh, I think a lot of people fall flat with regards to a cold outreach sequence or or, or an outreach sequence uh, penetrating a new audience, whatever it's. Uh, it's the step that most of the people that I talk to um, either do not do uh, and, and, and whether they know about it or not or, or do not even know about it. So um, just to reiterate on, on why um, some of these are effective, um, these low touch, these low fidelity, sorry, low, um, low intrusion sort of um, first initial messages, first initial outreach steps in this, in this nurturing sequence are great because um, one of the things that you can do is serve a push notification where you do not need a message. So push notifications happen when you follow someone, when you connect with someone. Uh, you do not need to send the message to get the message across is the uh, is the point I think we're all trying to make here. And then uh, remember, like Nolan said, uh, you need to nurture, quote unquote, uh, every step of the way. So not only are we nurturing in the copy of the email sequence where we're not asking right away, we're not forcing a demo request, a force a sale, force a call in email one. We, we are also taking that approach to the entire sequence where we're sort of leading with these low intrusion touch points along the way, building the credibility before we finally ask for whatever we're going to ask for, the demo, the sale, uh, the call, whatever it is. So um, take that as a uh, as 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 the kind of the mantra throughout this entire um, sequence and uh, and use it in each step of the way. So, um, uh, Kern, did you have anything you wanted to add with regards to CRM retargeting? Or should we go into step four? I, I think I think the two of you covered it quite well. 
Absolutely. Awesome. I just wanted to make a point that uh, the, the nurturing a lead basically involves providing them valuable and relevant content through every step. Love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, step four, um, I'll introduce here real quick and then I'll pass it back to you guys. But um, step four, writing out uh, your message, copy the sequence. Um, so in this step, you're going to focus on copywriting and the mediums to which your message is going to happen. The message is that the actual copy uh, that you're going to send into an inbox. And that inbox does not have to be email. Um, obviously, uh, that is something we recommend doing as uh, one of the final touch points. Um, but your message could be uh, could be a direct mail piece. It could be a, uh, a LinkedIn message sequence. It could be something like that. So, so it all involves copy. So we have a couple tools there that you can look into like Hemingway app. Um, Lob, for those of you who don't know, is a, uh, is a direct mail platform, lob.com. Um, Sales Navigator, of course, as we all know, and hubsell.com. Uh, those are the, uh, uh, the tools that we recommend at this stage, uh, aside from obviously the ad platforms that you're going to use, like uh, if you're going to use a LinkedIn message or a Facebook message or a Twitter uh, direct message, those are on here as well. Um, so copy, uh, just to finalize the, 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 the emphasis here, copies the emphasis and it will make or break your nurturing campaign. So you could have the greatest ads ever build a ton of credibility and just completely drop the ball with the messaging copy. So it's a, it's a very important step. And um, uh, Karen, why don't you go ahead and embellish on that? Yeah, absolutely. I want to first briefly touch uh, is the, is the multi-channel versus single channel here. Um, assuming, let's say you follow the steps of making sure that the audience is well-defined, making sure that the data that you get is high quality, it's broad, it's validated and all of that, uh, then, then you, know, you shouldn't go, the, go ahead and make the mistake of uh, just using that data on a single channel, let's say email or cold calling or, or just one particular channel. Um, you have the data, um, go multi-channel, maximize the return on that data by, by just you know, targeting your, your uh, uh, prospects uh, in a very, very, uh, let's say, um, customized way over multiple channels um, to, to basically you know, get the max out of your data. That's, that's the point that I want to make before I hand over to Nolan. And I think later on, um, um, I'll come back with some more uh, specific examples on, on what a campaign could look like. Yes. So, and, you know, for, for content marketing or SEO, the ideology is, you know, 10x content and that you want as much uh, information in there uh, for, for SEO purposes and just for sharing purposes. So a lot of value for cold email. It's the exact opposite. So the process, it's like sculpting versus painting and painting you're adding uh, and sculpting you're removing. And that, that's what you have to do. And a lot of client cases, they'll send me uh, like someone like they were sending out a, a webinar campaign and it was a pretty long email. Uh, and it's like, hey, this doesn't work. So most of the time, it's not necessarily that I'm copywriting, but I'm copy removing. Uh, so you, you want to only want what is vital to obtaining an initial response to that email. And it needs to be able to be read on a mobile device without having to scroll too much because that's a lot of people will be reading and maybe answering on their phone. And if they are, that's good because mobile, the beauty of mobile is that it can be instantaneous in some cases. Mm -hmm. One benefit of cold email outreach is that sometimes the only reason uh, that they will reply is if they're genuinely interested, uh, if they're bleeding from a neck. Uh, or if they're not interested, which is still a win from a sales development standpoint, because then you don't have to worry about investing any more efforts uh, into that. Now, that doesn't mean that you should always you you know con cold contact someone. There's some there's some certain uh, subsets where you'd actually want an introduction to someone, and that's introductions are great. They you can let, borrow the credibility of the mutual connection for that, and so there's. There's a few tricks we might do in a later episode. Uh, we might also do one on, on LinkedIn, well, because a lot of it involves LinkedIn uh, that you can use for asking for introductions at scale. But 
they're always better. But the question is, how much time do you have to put into that? Because they can help um, move you, move you up or down to the decision makers level, mm-hmm. um, and and help helps you build a relationship with the prospect. Awesome. Yeah, and Kern, you had some really great notes here to uh, elaborate on what Nolan just said. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the points that Nolan just made, they're absolutely true. And, and uh, I'm going to cover a, a few different points that are also relevant in the copy. Um, you know, the, the number of follow-ups, the level of customization of the content that you want to deploy and the channels through which you want to target your prospects. They all need to fit your unique, unique situations. Now, let's, let's uh, talk about an example here. And... Uh, um, just to keep things international, I'm going to take a European example. Uh, let's say you're targeting one of the nations in the European Union, um, um, which, which is an opt-out state. We have covered this particular phrase, an opt-in phrase, before. Uh, just to briefly tell you, an opt-out uh, versus opt-in state uh, differs in whether or not you need prior permission uh, to target somebody with an out, uh, a cold outreach uh, through a select number of channels. One of them is email. The other could be cold, uh, uh, cold calling. Fax uh, is also one of them. But then again, who uses fax these days? Well, some people in Europe do. Um, let's say you're targeting France, which is an opt-out country, and you're targeting a market that is typically found on LinkedIn, but not, not on Twitter. Let's say that the email noise is relatively high, but the, but the physical letter space is relatively untouched, right? And finally, let's assume that the market is prone to responding if your message has been seen. Yeah? Now, based on all of these things that I've just said, all of these uh, um, assumptions that I've made, uh, I would start, I would create a campaign uh, in the following way. On day one, uh, I would uh, visit the profile. On day two, let's say three or two to three days later, I'll send a connection request. Uh, uh, a few days after, let's say four, two, three days after, I'll send a first email with something valuable. It could be valuable and relevant. It could be an insight, could be a source of information that is relevant for them, for their position, um, and so forth. Um, after I've sent them the first email, uh, I'll, I'll wait for a few days, uh, let's say four days. I'll send them a LinkedIn message with something, you know, that is about their content or something like that. Um, uh, a few days after, I'll send a follow-up message with additional information and a call to action. And finally, a few days after, I'll send a breakaway email, and this is the end of my email campaign. However, for all the people uh, uh, that that have not been converted by by this point, at this point, I'll, I'll I'll mail them a physical letter. And these are then the seven steps where a person converting at the previous step will not be targeted with the next step, so to speak. And typically, having a a multi-channel outreach like like the one that I just mentioned, has a higher conversion overall than single-channel um, um, campaigning. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. I like that. So um, just to reiterate all of the, uh, the points made, we have to um, start off with good data, obviously. We want to make sure that the message is, is, is not uh, you know, too embellished. We want to make sure to trim the fat. Create a, create a nice messaging sequence that focuses on uh, what you're trying to get out of it at the right stages, at the right steps. Um, if you are focusing on the EU, if you are uh, uh, prospecting in the EU, make sure uh, you are aware of whether it's an opt-in or opt-out country um, and uh, use uh, the right messages, the right steps accordingly. Um, and uh, a physical letter is, is a great approach for certain audiences and certain tools will allow you to actually automate the physical letter send as well. So great points there. Um, That moves us into step five of your lead nurturing sequence. Um, This is where you actually load the sequences and click the send button. So there's various strategies, best practices here, obviously a ton of different platforms. Um, Kern and I actually did a really robust and detailed review of some of the cold outreach platforms that are available and uh, and as pros and cons for each. So definitely check that out. I'll link to it. Um, now, make sure I want to just mention while you're going through this process, um, a lot of people that I've talked to recently and um, a lot of uh, the email marketers, quote unquote, that I know um, do not separate their cold email campaign 
uh, into its own platform. Uh, I'm sorry, their campaign. So uh, this is just a pure, you know, ease and organizational thing. You want to, you know, try to keep all of your emails into one platform. So if you're using Yesware or if you're using um, Campaign Monitor, whatever, a lot of people will just keep their cold outreach sequences in that platform as well. And a warm outreach sequence would be like your newsletter. Now, um, we touch on this in previous episodes, but you want to make sure to break off your cold outreach into a platform that's specifically built for cold outreach, not just because we can add these multi-channel touch points, uh, but because the software itself allows you to do some things, and Kern will get into this in a second, uh, that uh, um, a general email drip uh, sort of a platform um, will not allow you to do. Um, now, uh, while we're talking about loading sequences and choosing mediums, um, you want to add a social message. Uh, we recommend it. Um, this is a low intrusive message, message a low uh, intrusion message, if you will. Uh, it's a, uh, a LinkedIn message or a Twitter DM or a Facebook message. Um, now, the caveat here is you must look good online. So you want to make sure that if you are doing a LinkedIn message, you can expect that person to check out your profile. So spruce up your profile. Uh, make sure you've got some good content, some good thought leadership on your profile, recommendations, et cetera, if you're going to do this type of outreach um, before, you, before you begin. So um, Kern has a really good, um, uh, really good tactic, a really good recommendation, a tip. So I'll let you talk about um, why you send through Gmail or Outlook. Yeah, thank you. Uh, now, I mean, you've covered this, the, the, the points about social media and everything really, really well. Um, you mentioned something about the different tools out there uh, that, that you would load your cold outreach uh, into. And I want to differentiate the cold outreach from, you know, just spray and pray or let's say mail blasting uh, uh, kind of tactics. They, they are not exactly cold outreach and cold outreach is supposed to be human-like um, and and done at at a particular scale which a human can do let's say now if you're using a third-party server uh, to send your mails um, I, I would advise against that and in, in favor of using your own mailbox now let's say you're using Google Suite or MS Exchange or MS 365 your outbox is going to be your your you know email address basically, and uh, um, when you are sending a message from your regular mailbox, it will appear to be a regular message. However, if you're sending it from a third-party server, it will have certain details in the message, uh, something in the lines of uh, uh, signed by and sent on behalf, uh, uh, but sent from. Yeah. So what that would do is, is uh, first of all, tell the recipient that this was not a handwritten message. Break the spell immediately, uh, that, mm -hmm. that this was actually, uh, you know, targeted, relevant, valuable outreach, but rather this was part of a bulk message. And it will, open the uh, it will lower the open rate for you because uh, sending from bulk third-party servers is simply one of the spam signals. So if you do have the data and you did create awesome content, do yourself a favor and send it uh, from use the so software that actually syncs with your outbox in, or, or let's say your mailbox to send messages from your outbox and not from a bulk third-party server. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I love it. And uh, Nolan, uh, you mentioned something about Zapier. I think that's important too. Yes, and so uh, for those of you who don't know, Zapier it connects other the APIs of a lot of platforms, CRMs, email service providers, social media networks. An example would be when I change my Facebook profile picture, change my Twitter profile picture to match it. So, because uh, virtually every service will have an API of some sort, this just connects it, and so you set up these what's known as triggers or events that happen in one server based on their API, and you can do that for email opens, email replies, and uh, things like that. And then you can have actions. When an email is open, I get a Slack notification. Now, sometimes the way open tracking works, it'll do that nine times. And, and Or it may be good to know and see, depending on which service, you may be able to tell they opened on their iPhone in New York City. And you could say, hey, how was New York City? 
So there's some some data you can use, and then also some some depending on which uh, cold email service. Some of them um, are trying out videos, and in some cases, custom images. Which back to our earlier use case for SEO images, that can be useful to include a website audit or report. Hey, this was what's wrong. Uh, this image is taking too long to load and will affect it. Um, and you can get you get a certain amount for free, but uh, eventually you want to get the pro version of Zapier just so just so you're not limited to either events or how many services you can integrate and so on. Yeah, and that's uh, without getting too technical. I think you get a hundred with the free account, and uh, Zapier is great for for those use cases, like you mentioned when we're talking about lead nurturing. Uh, it's really important the timing of when these uh, sort of touch points happen, and also how you follow up with those touch points. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the other things that you can make sure to do is if your CRM does have this feature, um, it will actually send you a desktop notification or if you have the mobile app, a push notification when someone is browsing your website. Um, and that's important. So, you know, as you're going through your sales routine, you want to make sure your SDRs uh, or your sales team have uh, sort of these notifications on, whether it's a mobile app notification or a, uh, a CRM notification on desktop, uh, so that if someone is browsing the site that's in these audiences that you're nurturing, um, and let's just say that person engages in an intercom chat or a drift chat on your website, uh, you want to make sure to coach the STR um, or yourself, if it's you, make sure that uh, you take them out of the next cold email sequence if you're chatting with them live. Because as far as I know, um, uh, it would be very difficult. Zapier, you could probably do this, but automatically taking someone out of a campaign that exists in a cold outreach um, platform uh, when they are entered into an intercom or drift chat would be a very difficult thing to do. So it's going to have to be uh, probably for most of you, a manual process, but just make sure you do that. If you've already chatted with them, don't let them see some cold email that introduces yourself when they just had a conversation with you. That would be bad. Um, so I'll just end with that. Um, Fern, do you have anything else to add with regards to step five, choosing mediums, loading sequences, and sending? Uh, just to add to the point you just made, uh, instead of manual, if, it if it's possible, I think you could use Zapier or Tray or IFTTT, you know, IFTT. Uh, all Tray is, yeah, Tray is a great one. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's new, and I haven't experimented yeah. with it yet, but uh, yeah. Tray allows you to actually add uh, API sort of mapping um, systems without having to um, custom code and uh, and build out those API maps uh, within your tool. But I believe Tray would be something that you would use uh, on a product level within your tool and not as a marketer or a salesperson um, yeah. in your system. So Zapier would probably be the recommendation there, but definitely check, check out Tray.io. It's a really cool tool. So um, without uh, going too deep down that route, let's, uh, let's move on yeah. to the sixth and final step. Um, this is when you have an, uh, a sequence running, you want to do real-time analytics and you want to do real-time iteration and testing. Um, so again, the, the tools that you're going to use are probably the same. You may have an analytics tool, but, uh, you'll get really good data, uh, with regards to the necessary metrics, which would be initially probably open rates and click rates, um, within your email platform and your CRM. Um, so, so once you kind of have, uh, the AB test set up, you'll want to monitor open rates if you're testing subject lines, obviously click rates if you're testing the body copy. I recommend picking one at a time. Do not test both subject line and body copy at the same time as a B test. Uh, if you're doing a B test, keep the subject line the same, test body copy or change the subject line and, uh, and uh, keep the body copy the same. Monitor those results. Um, then you can look towards downstream metrics like your demo conversions from those campaigns or your uh, registrations. Um, if your campaign is pushing them to a product, obviously sales um, from that product, so on and so forth. So um, Nolan, why don't you talk real quickly about um, an insights tag uh, that uh, LinkedIn provides and what you can do with it? Yeah, so as part of the, there's several different 
pixels uh, or analytics uh, that you need to have on your website. And if you're not a web developer, you only need to tell your developer to install Google Tag Manager, and that contains it. And once that's on there, you can edit that directly without having to get into the website code. And that's Google Analytics, the Facebook Pixel, and the LinkedIn Insights tag. And these two, obviously, they tell you analytics, who's visiting your website. Uh, but they'll also tell you different things. And we'll go, go to LinkedIn. That will tell you which companies have visited your, your website uh, based on the visitor's profile, as well as job titles, seniority, uh, company size, location, industry, et cetera. And then there's another tool called Lead Feeder, uh, which can also determine based on the IP address uh, from Google Analytics data, it'll tell you which companies are viewing your site now. It'll, sometimes it'll tell you the hotels and uh, internet service providers, uh, which is literally what Wi-Fi network they're using or the schools, which could be in some cases useful, I suppose. But it also, the good thing about this is you can tell at the company level, if it does match the company, which pages they're using on browsing on your website and for how long and where they came from. Yep. Yep. Very cool. And, um, I'll make sure to show the insights tag and kind of what that looks like on the back end. Um, cause you can definitely do some cool stuff with it and Facebook has its own. Um, so, you know, whether you're looking at an audience that you have defined in Facebook or people that actually come across your site, uh, definitely do the analytics properly and act on that uh, those analytics, uh, properly and, um, uh, test, test, test. And, uh, Karen, did you want to mention anything about analyzing? Yeah. I mean, you guys covered the, the, uh, real time analysis and copy analysis quite well. I want to talk a little bit about the analysis of data. Now, let's say you have um, uh, gathered high-quality data and you can you can sub-segment it. I would say compare those sub-segments with each other to find out which one of these are really the best. Now, let, let me give an example. Let's say you're targeting, uh, you know, four different uh, persona uh, personas in a particular company. You should be able to compare those four personas against each other. Let's say you targeted 100 of each and uh, six of one converted while only two of the other converted. Let's say uh, persona uh, A is is 6% at conversion versus the persona D, which is 2%. You know that two is the, the least valuable for you. So when, when the next, next decision comes on what data to get and you have budget confines and so forth, you're going to prioritize persona A. And that basically iterates the entire cycle so you have micro iterations of A-B testing the copy, uh, A-B testing the campaign structure, but then also the, the bigger bigger level, which is A-B testing the entire segmentation process or A-B-C-D-E-F testing, however you want to call that. Got it. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's very good. Thank you for uh, thank you for ending on that. And um, this has been a long recording. This is probably our longest episode yet. We're at 51 minutes so far. And uh, I just have a conclusion here and I'll pass it back to anybody who wants to add anything else. But um, to recap, step-by-step uh, -step lead nurturing uh, for a, a B2B business in this situation. Uh, but I believe these points that we made can work for any sort of uh, B2C lead nurturing system as well. Um, so uh, to recap, Number one, uh, a good takeaway is just to make sure you are accurately and completely enriching your data. So, uh, you know, don't stop at just grabbing the website title and, you know, an email address. Get their LinkedIn profile so you can act on that. Uh, try to get another social account or two if you can. Uh, get, you know, the, the, the length of time they've been in the position they're in. Obviously, the, the department, all that good stuff so you can make some really customized sequences out of that. Another takeaway uh, is uh, to always serve a thought leadership showing or credibility showing piece of content in your retargeting ads to this audience before you actually reach out with a message. Um, that will not only provide that awesome sort of introduction to you and your company uh, in a credible way, um, but, uh, when they actually do get on the phone with you or in a chat with you, uh, they will have some reason to listen to what you're about to say. This is especially necessary with service-based businesses, consultants, advisors, uh, an SEO firm, like we used in, in the example. So, uh, create thought leadership content, put that thought leadership content into your retargeting campaigns before you send 
that initial outreach system, I'm sorry, the sequence. Um, and uh, finally, uh, be as human-like, uh, the, the term that we like to use, Karen and I in this podcast a lot, is, is being human-like, uh, be as human-like as possible uh, with regards to both the timing uh, and the copy, as well as uh, the medium at which you are sending these messages. So you can imagine, um, you know, uh, the old rules and the old methods of marketing automation may have siloed campaigns in email or phone or what have you. In the new world, we are able to add multiple touches and multiple channels to these cold outreach, these automations. And that shows your prospects uh, that uh, it's a real human being behind this outreach. So if you serve them a connection request on LinkedIn, then you follow them uh, and then you uh, retweet something that they've done or you, uh, you, you go ahead and message them on Facebook and then they receive that, that email campaign. That looks very, very uh, customized. It looks very human-like and that will um, spur a lot more attention to both your campaigns and engagement to uh, whatever that touch point is. Um, so that's what I'll say. I'll pass it back to anybody else who has anything else they would like to add. Nolan, Kern. Yeah, yeah. So I recently published a course on Udemy uh, that, cover, that covers outbound B2B lead generation and marketing automation. A lot of what we covered, uh, and I have a screen share set up and go into detail uh, each layer. Um, and I published that with Ali Mirza, and the link for that is go.clemens.io slash udemy-course-discount, or if you want to go to my website, uh, my, my chat bot on there, well, and you can find a link to it, and the discount code is code 10. So normally it's t about $200, but if you use this code, you can take it for $9.99. And I also share, share some both inbound and outbound uh, growth tactics in my Facebook group uh, called Growth Architects, and that's facebook.com slash groups slash growth architects. I love it. Yeah, and it's been a pleasure, uh, Nolan. Uh, we're both really appreciative of the time. You took a lot of time today. I think we created some really valuable content. So I don't know who asked this question on Quora, but thank you for asking it. And we hope you liked uh, the answer. I'll go ahead and uh, syndicate this to the podcast, put it up on YouTube, put it up on Quora, so everybody can read, listen, or uh, watch. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, buddy, let's do this again soon. Um, Karen, anything else before I end? All good. Everything, you know, I think we covered here, I'm, I'm very happy with. And uh, looking forward to doing um, another episode with you, Nolan, very soon, hopefully. Oh, Oh, definitely. You bet. All right, guys. Talk soon, guys. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye. Ciao. Bye -bye. Goodbye.